Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Franchising in You, a production of Franchise Foundry. My name is Paul Segreto. I'm your host every Saturday morning as we share information and perspective to help individuals understand all aspects of exploring, selecting, and starting a franchise business. Our guest last week was Nick Neonakis. Nick and I discussed his best-selling book, The Franchise MBA. In addition, we discussed that the secret to owning the right franchise is really no secret at all if you understand what it takes to succeed. Nick emphasized that knowing what to look for is what sets apart successful franchise owners who found the right franchise from those who didn't. Nick was very gracious in offering his book for free to all listeners, but you will have to listen to the show to find out how to secure your free copy. So if you happen to miss last week's show, it is available along with all past shows at www.blogtalkradio.com slash franchising and you. Franchising and You is brought to you in part by FranFund, recently named one of the top 10 franchise funding providers by Entrepreneur Magazine. FranFund crafts insightful funding strategies that help solidify the dreams of franchise ownership while positioning franchisees for long-term success. Learn more at FranFund.com. Business means immediate cash flow. Business will have a financial history, which gives you an idea of what to expect and can make it easier to secure loans. You acquire existing customers, contacts, goodwill, suppliers, staff, equipment, and stock. And to help us better understand business acquisition and comparing the same to investing in a franchise or even starting a business from the ground floor up is vetpreneur and business broker and consultant, Kurt Meyer. Kurt, welcome to Franchising and You. Thank you, Paul. Glad to be here. Well, we are very happy for you to be here today, especially as we know you're on West Coast time in the beautiful um, Seattle area. So we really do appreciate you taking the time out from the weekend today. So, Kurt, let's, let's say an individual wakes up one morning, bright and early, sun popping up over the horizon, and says, you know, that's it. I want to go into business for myself. We know this person has, has plenty of options. You know, buy an existing business, start a business from scratch, invest in a franchise. How should this person even begin the process? Well, Paul, it's interesting. About 15 years ago, I found myself asking that same question. I'd spent 20 years in a corporate uh, 300, Fortune 300 company and uh, decided to become an entrepreneur uh, to gain some flexibility in my life. And so I thought, geez, what are the options? You know, the first would be to start something from scratch. And most of my friends cautioned me against starting a golf business, for example, because I had a passion for it. The other option was to buy an existing business. And most of my sharp financial friends uh, encouraged me to do exactly that uh, for the reasons you mentioned uh, earlier. You know, you can confirm what the cash flow is. Uh, you can certainly enjoy that cash flow day one after acquisition and such. And then, of course, the third option is to invest in a, in a franchise, which I didn't give much thought to initially, but ultimately came around to deciding that was the best option for me. So those three basic options are out there. Uh, in my opinion, starting a business from scratch 
uh, as a first-time entrepreneur is a very, very difficult choice. Uh, the chance of success is uh, dramatically less than the other two options. And so uh, as I talk to my clients who are considering entrepreneurship, I quite frankly steer them completely away from that. Uh, I only basically offer the options of looking at buying an existing business or a new franchise. Excellent. So as we know, and I said at the beginning of the show, you're a vetpreneur. You've had um, experience uh, in the service in the Navy. Of course, we thank you for your service. But how did that background apply to your process of trying to decide what type of business you were going to look at? Well, Paul, you know, when I started looking at existing businesses, uh, I was in the Allentown, Pennsylvania area because that's where my corporation was headquartered and I was living there. And uh, as I looked at all these existing businesses, I, I continued to uh, focus on um, – the ones that would be absolutely successful. I was looking for the perfect business, which at the time I was a bit naive. I didn't realize that there isn't any such thing as a perfect business. A friend used the analogy uh, in selecting my wife. You know, is your wife perfect in all these different criteria? And the answer is no. And he said, you know, the same is true for a business. You know, you look for killer concerns and walk away from it. But if there you know, are some issues there that can be improved, then uh, perhaps you should investigate it further. But what he told me was something interesting. You know, he said, you know what you are, Kurt? And I said, no, what am I? He goes, you're an executor. And that's based on my Navy background, being a nuclear submarine officer, a lot of attention to detail and process. And uh, by nature, I'm a very conservative person. My dad worked for AT&T his career, his entire 40-year career. And so, uh, you know, again, I had that Navy background of attention to detail, not taking any risks. All of my jobs in my 20 years with Air Products and Chemicals uh, were more of an execution of a, of a plan. We had all kinds of uh, barriers to entry to prevent people from competing with us, so we just needed to execute. And so that's what I did. So um, that was my strength, and I think my friend came to the conclusion that I was never going to pull the trigger on buying an existing business because I wasn't going to find the perfect fit. So he encouraged <laughs> me at that point to look at franchising. And quite frankly, my, my, my opinion of franchising at the time was not very favorable. I thought that that was kind of the, uh, the easy way out, that uh, I didn't need any help, that I was an experienced businessman running a, a large, uh, couple large businesses globally. And uh, I looked at it as a, a way of uh, you know, paying this large royalty to a franchisor in perpetuity as something punitive. But what he did was he used the analogy of, my P&L in corporate America, where I was uh, given a, an indirect overhead by the corporation on my P&L, which effectively was a royalty payment. And he said, look, if you look at a franchise, look at the royalty as your indirect overhead. It's a cost you're going to have to incur anyway, but at least you can control it. It will be capped, and you will determine whether that royalty is justified because you'll select the franchise concept that best fits you. And so uh, he encouraged me to look at uh, B2B and B2C opportunities, and I shifted my search from looking at existing businesses in the local arena to doing due diligence on a number of franchise concepts across all in industries, inclusive of several Discovery Day visits. 
And ultimately, Paul, I came to the conclusion that the healthcare industry was the one I was going to focus on primarily because of my background in uh, some of my corporate jobs. So I was comfortable with the healthcare market. I knew it was something that wasn't going to be exported overseas. And uh, I focused primarily on the senior healthcare market. This is back in 2004, 2005. Uh, due to the demographics in the Lehigh Valley, the larger number of uh, older adults living in the region. And ultimately, I found a uh, franchise that I didn't even know existed. And I bet you many of our <laughs> listeners don't even realize that there are there is a franchise in senior health care around adult daycare, of all things. I mean, wow. the franchise world is inundated with in-home care companies and such, but uh, adult daycare was a bricks-and-mortar investment uh, that enabled me to uh, differentiate myself from from others in senior healthcare. So, I think that uh, that Navy training in terms of discipline, you know, analyzing things, uh, evaluating risk, et cetera, you know, really uh, really did good for me there. So, excellent. So, evaluating risk, and you still went on the air with all these segments of franchise today available on demand by saying. Your wife wasn't perfect. <laughs> Franchising <laughs> you is also Absolutely. brought to you by the national boutique law firm Spady Eliana. Learn more about Tom Spadier and his legal team at www.spadialaw.com. Hey, Kurt, we have a question from our audience. Stephanie from Boston writes, I'm hesitant about going into business for myself, but I'm worried about risk. Don't get me wrong. I do want to own my own business, and I do understand there's always risk. Do you have any advice that might help build my confidence? Well, absolutely. Um, yes, there is risk, but the uh, the reward of uh, entrepreneurship, owning your own business, uh, in my opinion, far exceeds uh, continuing on the current path, uh, which is probably being a W-2 employee working to build somebody else's equity and not your own. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not nervous about making the jump to entrepreneurship, then there's something wrong. <laughs> you know, you can't be overconfident going into business for yourself. Uh, my suggestion would be that there are many, many people out there that have uh, made this jump and learn from them. Um, you know, my own experience, I was very hesitant to leave a very comfortable corporate career uh, to do something on my own. And again, my driver was not to become the next Bill Gates. Uh, I didn't have the entrepreneurial juices. Mine was out of a need for flexibility. Sounds like, um, you know, uh, this uh, listener's uh, motivation is, is in the right place, you know, probably feels that they can make an impact uh, on the world and, and uh, improve their particular uh, life by either having flexibility or control or generating a heck of a lot more wealth based on their own efforts. So my suggestion would be to get a hold of a you know, of somebody that can advise you, you know, that could be a coach, it could be a business broker, it could be a franchise consultant, it could be somebody that has made that jump, that's experienced it, that has uh, maybe, uh, maybe failed, and, and came back and did it again, and is now hugely successful, so that you understand what those risks are. But like anything in life, by engaging a professional to help you in this transition would be the thing to do. 
Now, the example I gave you where I left corporate and I flailed around looking for a business, then eventually looking for a franchise, I wasn't smart enough to understand that there were intermediaries out there to help you. I didn't engage a business broker or a franchise consultant. And so I was doing things very inefficiently in terms of my review of uh, FDDs and such. And so um, I would highly encourage the listener to uh, engage a business broker or a franchise consultant and have this conversation. They will get you comfortable. Uh, they will, you know, highlight the risks associated with things. But then we get to the essence of making this decision, and that's to minimize risk. I mean, I did not want to be a failure. And in that earlier example where my friend said, you know, you're not going to pull the trigger on an existing business, you need to look at a franchise model. Uh, he also pointed out that the chances for success in uh, pursuing a franchise concept uh, are much more enhanced over, uh, uh, you know, an existing business. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more as the call goes on. But uh, in answer to that question of the listener, you know, engage people who have been there, done that, and uh, you'll gain a comfort factor that will lead you to putting most of your personal uh, wealth at to chase your dream. And uh, if you do it right, you'll be successful. Everything will be fine. My wife reminded me that if, uh, if because I was very hesitant to make the move, let me tell you. And uh, with her support, she said, what's the worst thing that happens? You know, you fail, then you dust yourself off and you go back to work, you know, or you try again. And so I think it's important right. to have the support of uh, whoever your support network is. You know, if you're married, it's got to be a spouse. And if you have that support to chase your dream, go for it. You'll regret not doing it. You'll regret waiting too long. I mean, I was 40, what, 46 years old when I made the jump to entrepreneurship. And I'll, I can assure you that the last 15 years have been a lot more rewarding and uh, financially uh, more beneficial to me than the previous 20 years. So I would encourage you to chase that dream. Yeah, and, and certainly, uh, Stephanie, um, the fact that you're listening to a show like Franchising and You, you know, tells me that you're tapping into some resources. I think Kurt gives some excellent advice. Expand that reach uh, to other resources, intermediaries, individuals that are that are experts in the field that have, especially ones that have gone through some type of series of, of failure and then have recovered uh, tremendously. I think you'll be very, very surprised. We appreciate all questions on franchising and you. Just drop a note to me at paul at franchisefoundry.com. You may do so at any time during the week or even while we're on the air. As time permits, we may respond on the show. But rest assured, you will always receive a response to your questions. Hey, Kurt, buying a business is certainly more complicated than purchasing a home, well, at least from the standpoint of so many potential unknowns. I mean, when buying a home, everything is mostly out in the open and to close the loop upon the buyer having the house inspected. However, when acquiring a business, there are so many variables. So how can a person be assured they're buying a business at the right value? Well, Paul, it gets back to your experience level and comfort level in looking at an existing business. Uh, let's assume, um, for the sake of discussion, that your listeners are, are not all that experienced in in doing this. So I would encourage the use of a business broker, you know, representation on the buy side to assist you through this process. But regardless of whether you're doing it on your own or, or the intermediary is doing it for you, um, you know, the critical things are to really understand 
One, why is that owner selling that business? I mean, what's motivating him? Is it retirement or is it that there's uh, impending doom around the corner? So, you know, understanding the reason why that business is for sale is is critical in my opinion. Um, then you've got to look at the business uh, in, in general terms. You know, is it in the right market? Uh, you know, are there growth characteristics there for it? Uh, is it something that you're comfortable with? You know, are you comfortable in a B2B environment or a, a B2C environment? Um, you know, what has been the performance of that company over a period of time? I mean, are you looking at something that's uh, just been in business a couple of years, or can you look at five years' worth of tax returns and P&Ls and, really gain that comfort in uh, what you're looking at and that it represents uh, what you believe it does or what has been presented by the uh, selling side uh, broker if represented by a broker um, and then you get into the valuation issue you know you you you've got to uh, you've got to engage somebody who understands how to value a business uh, you know this is not uh, necessarily a science although I wish it was I'm more on the analytical side um, and I would like there to be a magic uh, formula that would ensure that I knew I was uh, looking at the right value, but it is more of an art than a science. And so you've got to have somebody looking at it uh, a number of different ways. Look at the value in terms of the cash flow that it's generating, which is the most important part. Uh, you know, what is the uh, what is the market comparison? You know, what have other similar businesses sold for? Uh, and then I would do kind of a buyer's test method. Uh, you know, as a buyer, what can I afford? You know, what will a, a lending source um, uh, allow me to uh, leverage in that case? So, you know, the valuation is, is key to looking at that existing business. And then there's a the whole myriad of due diligence items in terms of uh, ensuring that what you're looking at is valid. You know, I mean, are there employment agreements to ensure that the key employees don't leave day one after closing? You know, are there... Uh, licensing requirements that need to be transferred um, that might lead and and are there agreements uh, contracts with clients that are are contractually uh, uh, tied to the legal entity that might lead to uh, you know a choice of either a stock ownership uh, approach versus an asset sale which are more typical of uh, existing business transactions uh, then you get into the due diligence where you want to probably <laughs> utilize an accounting firm to be able to look at uh, not only the tax returns, but, you know, the Department of Revenue uh, numbers to confirm that the revenues are there. So you want to confirm the revenue stuff. Then you want to confirm all the cost issues and, and such. So there is just a whole lot of work involved in looking at an existing business uh, as compared to the, the home uh, purchase that you're mentioning, Paul, which is pretty straightforward. So um, you know, there's a lot of different things to look at, and the uh, the the amount of time that it takes to look at uh, an existing business, uh, it, you know, far exceeds that of a home. Obviously, I mean, if you're looking to buy a home for a million bucks, you know, you may take a few days or a week. You're looking to buy a business for a million bucks. You know, you're looking at uh, you know potentially weeks. You know, if if you're given that much time by the seller to to review it, depends on the interest in the business. So. Anyway, those are those are some of my thoughts about uh, you know what you have to do to look at an existing business to be comfortable, just like you would in uh, you know asking uh, for uh, a home appraisal as an example from an outside uh, source that's knowledgeable about uh, all the issues uh, surrounding the purchase of a home. How about if the uh, purchase 
is for a business that's part of a franchise system. Is there anything additional that you would look at? Absolutely, Paul. And I got to tell you that for first-time buyers, when they ask me, and I go through these three options, uh, well, the option of, of an existing business or a franchise, I basically tell them that, hey, you know, maybe the best of uh, all worlds for you could be an existing franchise business, basically what we call a franchise resale. And the reason I say that is that you have the benefits of looking at an existing business. So you can look at the performance of that business as you would any independent business over a period of time. So, you know, you can look at everything and everything's been established. But then you have the support of a franchisor. And if you're a first-time small business owner, I mean, it can be lonely out there. I mean, after closing on an existing business, you know, the seller will provide some degree of uh, transition and training and such. But you're on your own. Uh, with, the, with a franchise resale, um, you know, you're going to have the support of that franchisor going forward. So, you know, you're going to be in business for yourself but not by yourself, as, as we always say. Uh, but the aspects of looking at a, uh, an existing franchise are different in that you also have to do your due diligence on the franchisor. So, you know, you have the business itself, and you can do all the things that I mentioned previously in terms of due diligence. But then you've got to turn your attention to the franchisor and, and understand, you know, are they a good one? Are they a solid one? Uh, what has been their history with that particular owner? You know, have they been supportive or have they jammed uh, fees on them over time? Um, you know, you have to do your due diligence outside of that opportunity. And, and again, you know, who can give you better guidance on the franchise or than a franchise consultant or a business broker that, you know, is also a franchise consultant and understands business as well as franchising? So in that case, I would recommend, uh, you know, engaging somebody, uh, you know, of, of my background, and there's plenty of folks around the country that do this, that can uh, guide you in the right direction to determine if that franchisor is, uh, is solid and, uh, you know, what to really look for in terms of uh, the franchise disclosure document and the franchise agreement that you're going to be asked to sign. Because typically in a franchise resale, what will happen is at closing, the uh, existing franchisee will have his agreement terminated, and then a new uh, term will begin with the, uh, with the buyer, with the new franchisee. So you're going to go through the same process buying an existing franchise resale as you would buying a new franchise territory. You know, you're going to have to be approved by the franchisor you're going to have to have the right uh, uh, personal financial uh, uh, capabilities, and you're going to be required to sign that agreement and understand it and agree to the terms and conditions of the royalty payments and uh, any marketing uh, spend requirements that the franchisor has, et cetera. So uh, again, when you're looking at an existing uh, franchise to purchase, you have to make sure that you're comfortable being what I term myself, an executor, okay? You don't want to buy an existing franchise if you're if you think you're uh, God's gift to the world in terms of being the the great <laughs> entrepreneur, you know, and you're going to be innovative and you're going to tweak things because remember what you're paying for, whether it's an existing franchise or a new franchise, is you're paying for proven performance of the business model. So if you intend to just you know bypass the business model, 
you, you know, what, what are you paying for? You know, you're better off just looking at an independent business and not even considering a franchise resale or a new franchise sales at all. So anyway, those are some of the aspects of uh, the difference between looking at an existing uh, franchise business versus uh, an independent business, Paul. Yeah, and certainly an individual has to uh, stop and think and evaluate whether they're right for a franchise business because there is that relationship. And along with that relationship, you know, comes a, a whole set of responsibilities, like you said, you know, following the system. And I know in last month's issue of Franchise Dictionary Magazine, I wrote an article in my weekly column, which is the franchisee mindset. And uh, that's the October issue of uh, actually this month's issue, October issue of Franchise Dictionary Magazine. I suggest you, you know, uh, listen to the audience, read that because not everybody has a franchising mindset. And of course, there's always that age old question, you know, is a franchisee truly an entrepreneur? And we're going to be doing some shows and I'll be writing some articles about that uh, in the future. But it is something to consider. It gives you an opportunity to really look at the playing field. And, and decide whether it, you know, you want to be on your own or if you want to, uh, you know, go down the path of, of joining a family, so to speak. And, of course, the, the other thing that, you know, has to be mentioned, too, you know, the more profitable and the more successful a proven business is, meaning if you're buying a, a current existing business, you know, the more you're going to pay for it as opposed to a franchise where you're getting in at the initial investment and you're going to build it up over time. And, of course, the financial position that a person brings to the table uh, obviously is going to play into the mix uh, as well because banks are going to look differently at a franchise uh, from, the, from a start and looking at the FDD and looking at the initial investment accordingly as opposed to a business that has ongoing concern and they have to evaluate you know, cash flow and um, history and it's it, it's it's a very lengthy process, but I guarantee, if you work through this very diligently, and it may seem like a pain at first, you look at two or three of these, your eyes are really going to be wide open. You know, Kurt, I think you you bring a great suggestion to the table that if you're looking at any type of business, really working with an intermediary, whether it be a franchise consultant or a business broker. So if we're looking at an existing business, I definitely recommend a business broker. Let's dispel some of the myths, but also bring some of the benefits to light. You know, are they licensed? What value do they provide? How can we know whether we're working with the right one? Are they part of a large firm like real estate agents? I can go to Keller Williams or ERA, or are they more independent? Kind of wrap all that up uh, as best you can in, uh, in a short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you throw out the challenges there, Paul. So let's yep. just we're just gonna stick to business brokers because we can go on I could go on to a similar discussion about franchise consultants and selection of them Absolutely. and maybe we'll have time for that. But let's just look at business brokers. So um you know, and, and I had to make this decision too because when I sold my last business, which was a franchise, it was uh, that adult daycare business, uh, I had to decide what I wanted to do uh, with my life. And I decided that I wanted to uh, help people who needed help finding either an existing business or a franchise. And I wanted to help people sell their business because I sold my business to a first-time buyer who needed a lot of help in understanding 
franchising because they were going to, you know, be a franchisee. They were buying my franchise. They had to understand how to fund the purchase of the business from me because I wasn't going to, you know, wasn't going to be a charitable uh, event for them. And uh, so I just felt that I wanted to be a business broker. And, but I also wanted to, uh, I wanted to recognize the fact that uh, without the help of the franchisor, I would not have been, uh, I may not have been as successful as I was with my first venture. So I had to decide uh, how did I want to become a business broker? So I did my own due diligence. You know, I was not knowledgeable of the local Seattle market in terms of business brokers, but I knew that there were local, regional, and national players. And because I was comfortable with franchising, um, I ended up selecting uh, the largest national business brokerage outfit uh, in the country, and that's Murphy uh, Business. And I was very happy with them. Um, But the other choices would be a regional or local firm, and uh, they all have advantages and pros and cons like anything else. But what you want to do as uh, the first-time buyer looking to select a broker is – you first want to look at the experience level of that broker. You know, whether they're in a local firm or a large national firm, um, you know, what specific uh, experience does that broker and his firm have? How many deals have they done? Uh, How many industries uh, do they serve? Um, You know, what has been the success of their clients um, that they have worked with? That kind of thing. Sometimes credentials are important to to individuals. uh, you know, having a bunch of uh, alphabet uh, behind your name indicates that, you know, you have been educated a certain way or you have uh, certain experience levels or whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, really, it's a, a matter of interviewing several of these that either come from, you know, national firms or local firms or what have you. I would steer away from and I'm sure my commercial real estate colleagues will agree with me uh, reluctantly, I would stay away from working with uh, the likes of the, the real estate firms. Uh, that, their expertise is either residential or commercial real estate, okay? And uh, they stumble into business uh, brokerage opportunities because their property may house a business, and uh, that, particular, uh, that particular tenant may approach them to represent them in the sale, or there may be an individual who knows that person and says, hey, can you help me buy a business? And they're thinking about the commission they're going to get, and they don't think about the fact that they're not capable of uh, sure. leading that person in the right direction. So, you know, you go to a reputable business brokerage outfit, um, local, regional, or national. Uh, it boils down to the individual. People buy from people first. You know, you've got to be comfortable with the level of commitment. I would say that if you're working with a broker who requires a retainer uh, to work with you, that is not unusual. If somebody approached me, uh, one of your listeners approached me and said, I want to work with you, Kurt, to buy a business, um, you know, I would say that I focus primarily on the sell side. Um, However, uh, you know, if you want me to work with you, then, you know, typically a retainer might be required. Let's say that you're looking to buy a business for $500,000. A broker may say, geez, you know, you need to pay me $10,000 or something like that and a retainer that I will credit at closing when I get a commission from the selling side, which is fine. So in in that case, the broker could be working for you for free in that sense. 
Um, but if you never buy anything, then you, you know, the broker has invested time and energy in you, and it's fair to, you know, expect that you would have to pay for that service. There are also other um, buy-side consultants available in the market. We have an excellent one here in Seattle by the name of John Martinka, a little plug for him, uh, who works with buyers. Um, you know, when the buyer generally identifies a particular business to purchase, uh, you know, he will work with them to ensure that buyer has the right representation in terms of the right CPA firm, you know, the right transaction attorney to represent him, um, the right funding source to choose and such. So, you know, there are a lot of resources out there for folks who want to venture into the world of entrepreneurship and small business ownership. And a good business broker is, uh, is an absolute uh, uh, requirement in my mind. Uh, you can't do this on your own. It's the biggest, you know, professional uh, investment of your life. It's going to set yourself up for, you know, years of uh, enjoyment or years of frustration. So do it right. Get a professional. Absolutely. Great advice. You know, I was thinking about it when you talked about your previous venture in an adult daycare, and you said not many people knew that adult daycare was out there. Uh, I wish I knew because I wound up in the adult daycare business, also known as a sports bar. So, but that's another story <laughs> for another day. God, <laughs> Franchising and You is also sponsored by Retail Solutions. The professionals at Retail Solutions help franchisees locate, negotiate for, and lease or purchase the retail space, building sites, or build to suits best suitable for their new business ventures. You can find them on the web at RetailSolutionsRE.com. You know, Kurt, I really appreciate your time this morning. Um, we do, certainly, we look forward to having you back on, on Franchising and you. I think there's so much we could talk about, without a doubt. Give us some advice, last bit of advice, for our listening audience. Sure, you know, um, the, uh, the the title of the show, Franchising in You, uh, I would be remiss not to, to speak to the, uh, you know, potential use of a franchise consultant in, in much the same way uh, that you would want to engage uh, a business broker in looking at an existing business. Um, franchise consultants are out there to be able to uh, fill in your blind spot. So, for example, you know, um, I stumbled across Sarah Care, you know, the adult daycare option. I didn't know it existed. I was very lucky that I did. Now, uh, what I do with my clients is this, as, and this is with my franchise consulting hat on. So let's assume that somebody comes to me and says, Kurt, I've uh, been referred to you. Uh, I understand that uh, you can present the best options for me to consider for small business ownership. I will typically lead with the existing business opportunities that are available. And I do that because they're, in my opinion, there's, uh, there's less risk associated with that as long as you get through the due diligence as we discussed previously. Um, so, you know, if somebody comes to me from Microsoft or Amazon and, you know, they're making, uh, just use a round number, they're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, and uh, they say, look, I, I want to own my own business. You know, I have some money. I have some 401k uh, money that I could leverage. I have, you know, some home equity. I have some liquid investments or whatever. Um, then I basically say, well, what's important to you? You know, do you have to replace that uh, corporate income uh, day one? Because if you do, the only way you're going to do that is to buy an existing cash flow. So, you know, let's, let's, let's use a, a franchise example. Let's say that uh, 
the massage space would be uh, appropriate for them. Um, there could be a, a massage business for sale for $800,000, which is maybe three to four times the cash flow to the, to the seller. Um, well, that's great. But let's say that for whatever reason, uh, we can't acquire that for the buyer. Either something was found in due diligence or the seller wouldn't agree to a you know, price negotiation or whatever. At that point, um, you know, with no other inventory available for that buyer, I might suggest, look, rather than pay a premium for the cash flow, you know, if you can afford to build equity over time, you could still get to the point where you make it a couple hundred grand a year out of your business, but, you know, you're going to start at zero and it's going to take you, depending sure. upon your ability and how good the franchisor is, it's going to take you a period of time to get there. But the benefit of that is that you can locate it closer to your home. You know, the existing massage business might have been 60 miles away. But if you're going to mm -hmm. choose your existing uh, a franchise concept, you can choose it closer to home. So I go through all the advantages of what the franchise option would be. And basically, uh, it depends on, on the, you know, the specifics of the buyer. Are they comfortable with the franchise? Can they afford to build equity over time? Or do they have to be making a certain amount of money at a certain time? All those factors go into determining whether it's more appropriate for that person to consider an existing business or a new franchise. And so I try to present that objective approach. I, you know, I, I put the person through a profile test. You know, it could be something that everybody's familiar with as, as basic as Myers-Briggs or DISC. Uh, you know, in our world, we use uh, a survey called Zoracle. There's a number of different ways of getting at what makes a person tick. All those are tools to try to understand what is the right fit for you. And typically, when I present um, options for my clients, there'll be an option there that comes out of left field. And, and the client will say, well, I recognize this one and this one I've seen around, but this one, what the heck, you know, weren't you listening to me, Kurt? <laughs> you know, what the heck is this all about? And I said, well, wait a second. You told me you wanted to work about 20 hours a week. You know, you wanted a, a certain B2B feel. You wanted uh, to do this function in your business. If you look at why I'm suggesting this one, you'll see that it meets all your criteria. And that's why, you know, you're engaging me is because I look across not just the 5,000 concepts out there in the United States, but I look at the ones that are proven. So, you know, that's another thing. I, I recommend that you deal with a franchise consultant that is only looking at proven business models. You know, you don't need to be a guinea pig for an emerging brand. I mean, there are some right. people that that would be appropriate for, and we don't have time to go into that in this discussion, but typically for a first-time entrepreneur you want that chance of success to be as high as possible you want to understand what's important is it cash flow they want or is it the return on investment they want or is it both you got to get at all these things to make the right suggestions for your clients absolutely and for those that don't recognize some of those um, personality uh, profiles um, take a look online, Myers-Briggs, DISC, and um, you could also look back at a previous uh, episode segment of Franchising and You. We had Rebecca Monet, the uh, founder of Zoracle and her spot-on profile tool. Hey, Kurt, I, I really appreciate you being our guest today, and I, it, I think you raised a lot of questions. We're definitely going to have to have you uh, back on the air again, and I really appreciate you sharing some of your own uh, experience, because I think that's absolutely priceless. 
Well, thanks, Paul, for having me. I mean, I, at this stage of my life, uh, you know, it's it's more about give back. You know, you 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 uh, you see people um, that uh, jump into a franchise that don't belong there, and it fails, and 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 that's horrible. And uh, absolutely, you, know, you you want people to be successful. You know, uh, whether you're a broker representing the seller. Uh, or not, you know, you want the buyer to be successful. You want it to be a win-win-win. I mean, you know, when you sell a, a business, that buyer seven, eight years on average is going to be looking to sell again. Who's he going to go back to? But the person who uh, he had a pleasurable experience with. Ditto for the franchise consultant, you know. If that franchise yep. consultant brings value by matching you up with all the right professionals, then, uh, you know, you're going to use them again, and you're going you're gonna to encourage your friends to do that as well. You know, as you were talking earlier, uh, coming to mind the benefits and, you know, the options of potentially going to, you know, buying a new franchise uh, and starting out. You know, franchising also has a predetermined path for expansion and growth. Maybe there's more opportunities in owning multiple units, uh, an area development, and, of course, uh, the possibility of the franchisor having additional brands, but, of course, definitely material for another day. You know, it's interesting you had mentioned about somebody buying, you know, an emerging brand, uh, and then, of course, the option is a a legacy brand. In my column, Franchising 101, in the upcoming November issue um, of Franchise Dictionary Magazine, I focus on the difference between legacy and emerging brands. And some of the questions I ask are, are you a better fit for a brand that has been established for many, many years, or does your entrepreneurial spirit have you more inclined to investing in a brand that's in a very early stage to learn more or better yet subscribe, please visit franchisedictionarymagazine.com. Also want to uh, tell our listeners, you know, small business Saturday is just around the corner. Um, that's American Express's uh, push to shop, you know, basically on main street. Uh, it is right around the corner, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, that's the day after black Friday, but we must keep in mind that franchises are also small business. Franchise owners are very much the same as mom-and-pop businesses across America, having invested their life savings to achieve the American dream of owning a business. So certainly shop small that day, but make sure you also are shopping franchise on Small Business Saturday. And I, as well as the thousand of other franchise organizations and professionals that are out there, certainly appreciate that. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for including franchising in you as you explore the wonderful world of franchising and business ownership. As we say, dream it, wish it, do it. We're excited to be part of your quest towards franchise and small business success. Have a great day and a great weekend.